Good to see you. How's everybody doing? Going to push some things around. I'm going to grab my own table, Jed. Is that okay? I'll break protocol. I know. Breaking protocol. I forgot it. Should have just grabbed it. I'm sore. I threw discs yesterday. Outside. I know. I left my house. It's a new thing. Are we doing okay? I didn't hear your answer. I asked a question and I didn't listen. You guys did? I'm hearing kind of murmurs. I want to, okay, good. There we go. I was like, please, please be okay. Are we all right? Uh, oh, that's good. Here's a, you know what? One week can change a lot, can't it? You know, I, I'm always amazed how quickly the internet just kind of just blows everything up. You know, we're kind of insulated. We don't really know a whole lot of what's going on. And then one week, one event can just kind of change a lot. Well, here's what I'm going to do. We've done this this whole series, and uh, this is the last week. Uh, each week, I've just kind of taught on what I feel like God's trying to teach me. And I'm not going to stop now, all right? Going to keep doing it, all right? So here's, here's all I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount, a uh, specific section in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5. Probably one of the most important sections of Jesus' teaching ever. If you've never read through Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, highly encourage it. Highly encourage it. It's a collection of Jesus' most, you know, kind of taught moments. We don't think this is the only time he taught it. We actually think this is kind of a collection of things that he taught all the time. And this is probably as weird as this may sound, a sermon he repeated a lot. Um, in fact, uh, it's probably a sermon that when he went places and people asked him to the same exact way or in this order, but it's pretty, pretty well recognized that these are kind of his main juxtapositions of what he needs you to know and what he wants us to know. And so whenever something comes up in our world, whenever something kind of pops in that's new or kind of uh, difficult to process or frustrating or uh, even sometimes irritating or just saddening and just kind of heartbreaking, I, I tend to run to the red letters. I know that's kind of like an old saying, but like the red letters, like the, the things that Jesus says, I tend to run and look at them because I, I'm looking and, and wondering, has he talked about this before? Has he mentioned things like this before? So that being said, I, I want to I talk about some things that I feel like I uncovered, and it can kind of give us some perspective. And what's so neat in the way that God works is it ties in so well with who we are, I feel like, as a church and what we're trying to do. And so uh, I'm going to pray, let God reign, and then I'm going to ask you as I pray to let God have your heart. Because I can tell you this right now, whether it's COVID, <laughs> the upcoming school year, or racial tensions, God needs access and allowance to move in each of our hearts. And that's what, that's what he ultimately is all about. That's where the kingdom of God reigns. So let me pray, and I'll ask you to let him have access to that. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are listening. Move in your Holy Spirit. Bring wisdom and the truth. Reveal it to us. May we hear your words all these years later. May it go deep into our hearts. May it penetrate the difficult, hard things. May it come out and reveal itself to be true, to be full. Lord, we pursue you with everything we have. We count the cost. We ask you 
to come and show up again. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. In Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses kind of 38 through 48, Jesus mentions two topics, and I kept the headers in here, mainly because I, I think they're worthy of kind of a little bit of context. The first one is called, it's called Eye for Eye. And uh, the way Jesus is teaching in Matthew, it's such an intentional way. Uh, he uses sayings that at the time were very popular, and then kind of gives you the counter point to what he believes the kingdom of heaven or what the kingdom of God is about. That's very important uh, because I'm a parent and that's exactly what I do with my kids. I'm like, you think you should have three suckers. I think you should have teeth. Like that, that type of mentality, right? So like this is, this is him doing this, but laying the differences between the culture that these people are in Versus the culture and the kingdom that Jesus is wanting us to live in and to be a part of. So here's what he says, talking to a crowd of people that are hurt, broken, neglected, on the fringes, not in a place of power or in a place of influence, but in a place of being kind of pushed to the edges, only showing up because they hear Jesus is healing, not necessarily because they want heaven, if that makes sense. So this is the group of people he's talking to. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, which I always think that's really, really funny. I picture brothers punching each other at the same time. That's because I have three, three boys. That's all I think. So each lose a tooth, each lose an eye. And they're like, even, right? Good job. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Whew. When I hear that, I'm like, that sounds no that doesn't work. If any of you, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, you guys have heard that, turn the other cheek. You're going to grow up with that saying in your household. Hey, we turn the other cheek and this kids in the room. Don't do this to your parents. My brother and I would do this to my mom. She would get so mad at us. Don't do that. But that's always the thing that pops into my head because this is that idea of what? Just turn the other cheek. Forgive. Don't, don't, don't retaliate. That's always the way it's said. Don't retaliate. Turn the other cheek. And if anyone wants to sue you, there it becomes an adult issue, right? <laughs> Here's the kids one. Here's the adult issue. Oh, snaps. I found myself in this. Take your shirt and hand over. To take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If any of you forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. How many ever grew up with the saying, uh, go the extra mile? Anyone grew up with that saying? Go the, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile, right? Do you know this is where it came from? Well, so you didn't know that, did you? Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from, from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now pause. This idea right here, go the extra mile, is a rule that was in the Roman world for the countries they, they defeated. Um, this was because the Roman army and the officials moved around so much, and at one point was the largest known kingdom at the time. Genghis Khan, eventually, historically, we know, was bigger. But they had just incredible influence in the Roman world and across most of Eastern Europe into kind of the Middle East. And if a Roman soldier saw a citizen of any nation that they had conquered and was tired, they could literally go up to this person 
and they could command them to carry all their gear up to one mile. No questions asked. And so, imagine this. You are conquered by a people that torture and kill. Literally, at one point, put crucifixions uh, like a thousand miles across your country, and they crucify the soldiers of your army they've defeated every so often on the main road so that you'll just remember that Rome is stronger than you. And then while they're walking back, they just stop through your village on the road, and they look at you, and they say, hey, carry my sword. And you have to carry it a mile. Oppressed, broken, you have to. So when Jesus says this, it is the most controversial out of anything he says. Because he doesn't say, do it. He says, do it two. Go twice as far. That is crazy. Can we just be real? That's nuts. You know how unpopular this would have been? Buddy in the crowd was like, no. I'll give them the shirt and the coat thing. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, if anybody wants to borrow my rake or my leaf blower, no problem. I ain't walking two miles. I'm not doing it. There's no way. The main point of this is not so that we just give in to every little thing, to every evil person in every way. That is not the main point. Jesus is trying to include something in their kingdom that is a part of the kingdom of God, and that is mercy and grace in your relationships. He's just trying to get them to include mercy and grace in their relationships. The people around them, he's just saying, hey, quit fighting tooth for tooth, eye for eye, get even, quit writing people off. Include grace and mercy in your relationships. Make it a part of your life. This is the kingdom of God. You've heard it said it's all about getting even. I'm telling you, give mercy and grace. It's a part of the relationships. Now, pause, because some of you immediately are like, so we always have to give mercy and grace. Like, that's not like you're like, that doesn't sound healthy. Uh, some of you have been to counseling for codependency, where you just give in to the person over and over and over again, and it, it actually becomes an unhealthy thing. Grace and mercy is not about not having boundaries. Grace and mercy is just a part of the relationship. God has boundaries. Let me give you a real quick lesson on boundaries. This is really, really important. This may be some of the most important thing you hear today. The first thing is this. Boundaries take common sense. It's common sense. God is not speaking this. Jesus is not speaking this to the woman that's getting beaten in her home, going, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. No. Get out. Get out. Get help. That is not the context of this verse. Common sense. That's not okay. God loves the innocent. He protects the innocent. Calls us to do the same. How about this one? Experience. If someone you know is taking advantage of you and they're coming and asking for $20 and you know they're going and getting a substance that is damaging or breaking their life, that's called helping that hurts. 
doesn't hurt. Jesus never gives something to a person that he knows it's going to take more than it's going to get. Perfect example of this. When Jesus heals someone, Jesus heals someone, he is never most worried about their physical healing. He's worried about their heart. And for us, we need to recognize that our experience is this mercy and grace sometimes is helping the right way. And having boundaries to do, though. And sometimes that means cutting the relationship off because you have become a hindrance to their growth. You have become a halter in their maturity. That's difficult. But it's a boundary. It's a boundary. The last thing is this, and the most important. Use the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is defined by this, the person that reveals all truth and gives all truth. Man, If you're a Christian, include this in your boundaries. Ask God, hey, is this a healthy thing? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this what God's calling me to do? And then you have to listen and then actually do it. Like, that's that's the hardest part. Asking is really easy. (laughs) It's when you hear the answer you don't want or the answer that you were hoping not to hear or learn. These are just simple boundaries. Common sense, experience, Holy Spirit. Again, God is just, or Jesus is trying to just include, you know, mercy and grace into their relationships because it had become kind of a dog-eat-dog world. You know, everybody punches, the whole world gets blind type thing. And he's going, no, that's not the way that heaven works. And what's funny is when I hear this, including mercy and grace, I start to feel a little bit of tension inside of me of our values as a church. And, And... some of you have heard some of our values. You, you were a part of our kind of vision meeting for the next five years this last fall, coming up on a year. And, and you know that one of our core values is this. Uh, we will be known for what we're for, not for what we're against. And love is at the core of everything we do. Love is at the core of everything we do. Now, why, why that statement matters? It's not that we're not, we're, we're not against things, right? We have boundaries here. It's not that we're not against some things that are wrong. It's that we choose to say that there is someone that we're for more. And that that love is what drives us at the core. Why this is key is because we extend mercy and grace. And love. And everything that we're trying to do. That's one of our values. And that can be tough sometimes, can't it? And it's as if Jesus knows that. Like he, he says this and then he's like, all right, all right, all right. Let me be clear because I hear what you're saying. You know, we need to extend mercy and grace. But what about those people? You know those people. What do we do with those people? And it's as if he can, like, see our hearts or something. Because the next section he talks about is called love for enemies. Those people. You have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. There it is, right? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. What's, what's the phrase we say more than this? It's a keep your friends close, but what? Your enemy is closer, right? Like, you know, you got to identify them. You know, keep them close, right? 
You've heard it said that this is the way you should live, right? Know your people, stay away from the people that you hate. Know the people that you're supposed to love, they're your neighbors. But love, don't, but just hate and stay away from, keep in a proper place your enemies. This is not a new concept. It's something that we obviously still struggle with. But then Jesus obviously says this, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. You want to talk about mind-blowing to a crowd. This is where they start to go, okay, okay. You want me to pray for the people that just took away the land that my ancestors have had for 10 generations, that taxed me into the ground, that now I have to work the ground for them. That's a Roman situation where all of a sudden Israel has all these people that have owned for years their land and now have been taxed into a place where they had to hand it over to the government and then work it in kind of a servitude bondage situation. And now they're so destitute, they're looking for answers in all the wrong places. And I'm supposed to pray for them? That you may be children of your father. In heaven. This is what my kids would do. He causes his son to rise. I love how he calls it his son. S-O-N or S-U-N. Just saying. To rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? I love that. Remember, the tax collectors had their own separate category from sinner. Like they were like, sinner's too good of a title for them. Let's put them over here in their own title. <laughs> people. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. You're not even cordial, nice Willing to greet. And this is, this is a place of showing honor in this culture. You, you would pick the people that have the most influence, that would have the highest rank in your kind of group, and you would only choose to interact with them because that would have a positive benefit in your life. And you would choose to not interact with those that don't because that would bring shame or dishonor. And then he hits us between the eyes. And this is the, this is the verse, when I read this, this is when I knew Jesus was actually teaching us more. This is when Jesus was teaching me more. He says this, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I think this is when I read... I read this when I went, <laughs> what? I just yelled at my kids like two seconds ago before I read this. I just got impatient with somebody like a few minutes ago. Honestly, I felt like angry at someone yesterday. Be perfect at this? I don't know how to tell you other than to say this is setting you up. If you don't read this line right here, you're going to miss everything I teach today. This is setting you up. 
to understand why these two things are necessary, not negotiable. This idea of actually including mercy and grace and then loving our enemies and praying for them. They're not negotiable, they're necessary. Let me explain love your, love your enemies real quick. If you're going to do this and you're going to try to be perfect, I want you to understand why this is so key. The first is, if you're going to love your enemies, it will hurt. It will hurt. There's no way around it. There's no way around. I mean, picture someone that's mad at you that you're trying to love well. Picture someone that wants to hurt you that you're trying to love well. Picture someone that doesn't like you that you're trying to love well. They don't have your heart in mind. They don't have the things you love in mind. They don't have your safety in mind. They don't have anything about you as a priority. It's going to hurt. Keep in mind, though, when you love your enemies, it's how you were loved. It's how you were loved. I don't know if you've ever been around little kids before. <laughs> but they're not always on your team. Do you know that? You ever watch the little kid? I mean, they love well, don't they? Man, they love well. But don't they, don't they hate well, too? You know when they get that little look in their eye and they say, I don't care what you say, what you do, how many suckers you got, it's going down. There is nothing more painful than watching your child look you in the eyes and say, I hate you. I won't be around you. Some of you experience that as a, like my, my four-year-old. They got to go to bed and they don't like it. Some of you have seen that with a full change it, does it? I'll say, though, loving your enemies, you guys, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. I want to prove to you that it will hurt, but it was how you were loved, and it makes all the difference. I want to quote Romans to you in Romans 5 when Paul talks about this. In fact, the word that he uses in here is why I picked this verse. See if you can find it. Verses, chapter 5, verses 9 and 10 say this, Since we have been justified by his blood, talking about Jesus, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Justification. We deserve an eye for an eye, but we get something different. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? While we were still enemies, Christ died for you and me. I find it curious, then, that my mind immediately goes back to our value. We'll be known for what we're for, not what we're against. 
We'll be known for what we're for. God was for us. God was for us even though we were against him. He was not against sin, so therefore he just defaulted to us. He was for us. For us, because he knew this, love was going to be at the core of everything he did. Love was going to be at the core of everything he did. I've said this from the stage before, and I'm going to say it again until I'm blue in the face, because regardless of how everything turns out from this week, or how COVID plays out, or how the political landscape plays out in the fall, we're going to have to learn this as a church. Do you want to make a difference, or do you want to make a point? Because I want to make a difference, not a point. And a difference takes a conversation like I just had with my best friend from high school, Mike Barty was a single black dad in Phoenix. Works at UPS. And I texted him this morning. I said, I'm praying for you. I don't know how your week's been, but I just want you to know I love you. You know how many conversations I've had with someone that's African-American? But I'm willing to say I want to make a difference. I don't just want to point something out online. I don't want to just say something. From a distance, I want to get in the fray. I want to listen well. And I want to love well. And that can't be done when all I'm trying to do is make a point and I don't make a difference. And when I've taught this before, I literally tell you this. A difference is a conversation in person. A difference is when you listen before you talk. A difference is when you're willing to go and do something. A point is at a distance, calling something out, knowing no names behind it, just knowing a little bit of information or faces, being willing to put your whole reputation on something that has no personal backing. I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for you. And the truth is this, Dr. King Martin Luther King Jr. knew that the key was what we're talking about today. This has been plastered everywhere, and I love that it's been plastered everywhere. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. What we're against cannot change anything. Only love can do that. Only love can do that. And that's the truth, guys. Love makes all this, where this world is reshaped. I don't think it has to do with good cops, bad cops, race, color, height, weight. I don't think it has to do with any of that. God loves them all. I think it has to do with what's in our hearts. What are we willing to do to make a difference? What is God? Everything. Because they're all precious in His sight. And I'm not trying to take political sides. I'm not trying to justify anything that's being done in malice or hatred. I'm just trying to tell you this. The way this changes is only in the kingdom of God, and it's only when love reigns, and that only happens when it gets in our hearts and in theirs. Love has to be at the core of everything we do. So when I read Jesus' words... 
And I hear him say, you've heard it said. You've heard it said. All I have in the back of my mind is all the things that I've heard said <laughs> through the last two months, <laughs> through the last year. All the things that I hear in my head are the things that I've heard this week. But what I want to reign is I want his words to be in my heart. I want mercy and grace to be in my relationships and on my tongue. I want the love for even my enemies and those that persecute me to dominate my thought process and my actions. Oh, if we could be a church to make a difference, not a point. Oh, if we could be a church to follow our values and to say, listen, we're going to lift up what we're for and we're going to love people. Love people well. I believe you guys can do that. I believe I'm learning and growing in how to do it too. I'm excited to see what God's going to do because I do believe hearts can change. God can move. We can all get a little more patient, kind, and gentle. Because love makes all the difference. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for showering this love on us. Thank you for giving us the love that makes all the difference in our lives, giving us grace and mercy, turning your cheek and allowing the cross to be the way to display that even though we were your enemies, you loved us well. Lord, may we be bearers of that love, ambassadors of that love. May we carry it out with the people that we interact with constantly. Constantly see you moving in our lives. We constantly have the opportunities. We put love at the center of everything we do. Lord, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Let's take some time and let God have a moment. I, I asked you at the very beginning to open your heart up. I don't suspect that it's always easy. I don't suspect that this week has even been equally hard in the same reasons that I've talked about today. Maybe it's nothing to do going on in the rest of the world. Maybe it's inside your own home and a marriage or a relationship. Maybe it's something going on with just a friend down the street. Maybe it's just a lack of work or a job. Maybe it's a financial struggle. I promise you this. God has not forgotten you. He's with you. He loves you. As we sing this song together and kind of have one more chance to reflect before we leave, give him your heart. Give him space to move. Let that love come back in if it's gone away. Let's lift him up. One last time. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my holy name, sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy song again whatever may 
us and whatever lies before me let me be singing teach you what God is teaching me. I'm telling you this. Uh, turn the other cheek, right? Go the extra mile. Those are great things that are worthy to say. Those come from Matthew chapter 5. That's the thing that God's calling us to. I'm going to continue to do that. Now, here's what I get to tell you, too. There's going to be some new information coming out tomorrow. I'll give you kind of the next set of things that we're going to be doing here as a church to get to meet. Uh, look to that. We'll have an email coming out as well as a video excited to continue to get to meet together. We're going to start back up our series on John. 
um, as we've concluded our pause series today. Um, so be looking for that tomorrow. Thank you so much for coming today. You guys have a great and glorious day in the Lord. Go love people well. We'll see you. I see the Lord forever glorified, exalted and lifted high. All of the kingdom inside you are. You are the Lord.
the start beyond the end As far as east is from the west Measureless From open sky to ocean depths More than man can comprehend
I gotta go check on the live stream and stuff. He's right there. Oh, cool.
Hey, good morning, church. It is so good to be together uh, to worship God and to um, just meet with him as his church this morning. Um, as we begin by just singing a few songs together, I actually want to just start by uh, teaching you a new song. This song has been kind of stuck in my head uh, for the past few weeks. Um, a song that just allows us to declare who Jesus is. He is our Lord. He's a sovereign overall. Uh, so let's sing this together. I'll start by teaching the chorus. If you'll stand and sing with us. I see the Lord forever glorified, exalted and lifted high. In all of the kingdom, it cries, You are, You are the Lord. You seated upon the throne, the God who is three in one, the Father, the Spirit, the Son, You are. You are the Lord. This is where the worship starts. Here in the temple
moon and stars they wept the morning sun was dead fallen his body on the cross his blood poured out for us the weight of every curse upon
worshiping you for your power. The name that given to you and mentioned makes every knee bow and every tongue confess you are Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Is the name we worship, we sing in. Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Is that enough good mornings yet? This is my second time doing this, so I, I always feel like a little bit more like, woo, like, you know, ready to go. And uh, I, I know for some of you, you're like, did you hurt yourself right there? A little. All right, that's okay. Hey, glad you're watching online. If you're tuning in, uh, we're finishing our series pause uh, today. Whenever finishing something, you always want to finish well, but I always feel like I'm at the end of the mile run in high school. That's what it always feels like. A coach, I still remember him. Get here, Cockwillard! That's what he would scream at me. And he would get so mad, he'd be red-faced, and I'd be out of air. So I'm trying to not limp to the finish. I want to sprint through it. You know, I want to finish strong. Um, but then this week happened. And uh, this week, you know, it's like it's, if something was on fire... And then you just decided to just dump gasoline on everything. Like, if you weren't sure you needed Jesus before March, I feel like the whole world by now is like, you know what, I think we need Jesus. Yeah, I'm like, yes, yes we do, and come quickly. So, today, I can only do what I've been doing, and that is teach you what I feel like God is teaching me. And, and it gets you to just kind of, hopefully, uh, open your heart up a little bit. So, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and I'm praying because what I'm going to talk about today I don't feel like for a lot of us, um, it's easy to talk about, and it's not always fun. And part of that is because I'm talking about things that Jesus talked about. And anytime Jesus talked about anything of any controversy, he never like got like a united response. In fact, he got such an ununited response that the only time he got a united response was on the cross. And so I'm telling you, when we read the words of Jesus and we study the words of Jesus, a lot of times we have to be willing to open our hearts up. And this week, that's what I've tried to do, and I want to give you a chance right now before we start to do the same thing. So I'm going to pray, and while I pray, I ask you to do this. Give God permission to come in and speak to your heart. Give God permission to soften it, to listen well, Give God permission, I'm saying, are off limits. Or the parts that are hurting that you're like protecting because they're sore. You're like, nah, <laughs> I want you to do that. So while I pray, while I pray, I want you to just open your heart up, give him space, let him have room to move. Because if we're being honest, that's the place we need help. Myself included. So let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you move and see and reveal and restore hearts. Do it again. Or come in, use your words, use your Holy Spirit. By your power, we believe that you can transform and change the world. Change our hearts. Use us. When we believe in you, we put our hope in you. It's your name we pray. Amen. 
Anytime anything really controversial happens, like last Monday, and then, you know, of course, with COVID, and then it being a political year, and then we have some sort of prop that's going on in Mount Vernon on June 2nd, that, you know, there's just a lot of craziness. I always turn to the Bible, and I look specifically, and this is going to sound corny, but I grew up in the church, so if you didn't grow up in the church, this won't make sense, but if you did, you know what I'm talking about, I would look for the red letters, all right? And those red letters are the words that Jesus himself spoke. And I turned to those 2,000 years in advance to me through those red letters. Like he speaks 2,000 years ago, but he's still speaking now. And so what I did is I went to the Sermon on the Mount. It's where you can just turn your Bible, and it's like if you got red letters, it's like pages of it. It's actually full chapters. You can read Matthew chapter 5, verse chapter, chapter 7, and you just hit red letters for a long time. And I, I read through there, and, and something caught my eye. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. Um, and it's something that I feel like is intentional, and it also is wrapped up in a little bit of an our vision already. And so I think it'll make sense, and I think it'll give us a rallying point, and I think we'll leave here knowing and feeling like we know what we're supposed to do. So that's my goal. We'll see if we can get there, but I'm hoping that Jesus will speak to you as he has to me all these years later, as he continues to. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 is where we're going to start. It's uh, titled, An Eye for an Eye. It says this, You have heard it said, pause, these are some of the funnest statements because this gives us an idea of what, uh, you know, kind of the world back then when Jesus is teaching to this crowd of broken, hurting uh, outsiders because this is a crowd that's basically coming not for heaven but for healing. That's why they're there. They're like, we want bread and healing. They're not really sure if Jesus is the heaven guy yet. They're just like, hey, we heard you healed some people and we need some, you know, what he's going to do is he's going to give you the contrast between what you've heard in this world versus what the kingdom of God is like, what he's bringing. But these are silly because we still have these around. You're going to see that. You're going to see how these still stick around. So you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth makes the whole world blind. See how it's still around? And from Arkansas. Sorry, that was low blow. Low blow, low blow. I'm sorry. Like Arkansas, but I like my teeth too. All right. But Jesus says, but Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Ooh. Now, we're in gun territory, so whenever I read that line, you know what, I feel like half the people in the room are like, yeah, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. How many grew up with that saying in your household? Turn the other cheek. How many grew up with that? Give me a hand. Come on now. Online. Raise your hand. You better raise your hand. Somebody's elbowing you right now. All right? This is what I did. I grew up homeschooled and a pastor's kid, so we always made fun of things like this. I'm not telling any kid in this room to do this, and if I hear you do it, I'm going to give your parents permission to not turn their cheek, all right? Yeah, yeah, but this is what I would do with my mama. Okay. And she would get so mad at me. She wouldn't spoon, all right? But it still sticks around, doesn't it? Turn the other cheek. We still say that. What does that mean? Don't get revenge. Don't seek revenge, right? Don't, don't follow up. You know, your brother punching you in the face by you punching him in the face. And if anyone wants to sue and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Snaps, I'm cold. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Anybody know where we, we still say this? Anybody grow up with this one? Go the extra mile. Anybody grow up with that saying? Yeah, right, right. You're raking leaves, right? And then there's these little pieces of leaves left. And your dad was like, is that how you're going to work? 
Are you going to go the extra mile? And you're like, come on, Dad. Like, I barely made it one mile. My coach told me, remember? Like, I can't go two. There's no way. Uh, Give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Man, that's so true, until they break all your stuff, and then you're like, yeah, no more. Right? Now, here's the cool thing. All the, all the things that he just said. You know, you're getting sued, you're getting slapped, you're getting coats taken away, all the stuff. This one right here, go back, hold on. Oh, I gave away my point. Don't look at that. Don't read that yet. Forget that, all right? If anyone forces you to go one mile, go, go with them two miles. This is the one that sticks, and you don't even know why yet, and maybe some of you do. The Roman world had expanded to just this gargantuan size, and it had done so because the Roman army was so efficient. And it did so by kind of assimilating everybody that they kind of conquered into this force. And this army was going between places. Anywhere that they were at, they could ask any normal civilian to mandatorily and by law carry their armor and all their supplies for one mile. So imagine this. Your grandfather has been farming the same plot of land for 10 generations, has it conquered and then kills him, and now you are the son of, or the grandson of that father, uh, that grandfather, and now you are watching this Roman army come back through, and they're like, hey, carry my sword for a mile. Now, Jesus doesn't just affirm that you should do that. He says, no, 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 no. Go to. This is the one, when he said this, I'm telling you, the crowd was like, Ain't no way. I don't care what you do. They can slap me, take my coat. They can sue me for everything I have. They've already taken it. But I ain't walking no two miles. Why this is important is because like that, we all have our places in our lives that we've said, no way. And what Jesus is trying to do is not necessarily point out all these specifics that we're supposed to just take and like throw into our lives specifically. He's trying to include mercy and grace into our relationships. He's trying to say, hey, if you just sock everybody that socks you, you're forgetting a key component to the kingdom of heaven, and that is mercy and grace. It's a part of my kingdom. And it's not a negotiable part, it's a non-negotiable part. It is a part of what it looks like to be in my kingdom. Now, I know when I, you guys here don't resist evil and like give everybody your coats and like go the extra. Everybody in this room is like, yeah, but doesn't that have limits? And you're right, you're right. Like this is not like... This is not to the battered woman that's getting beat by her husband every week. She's like, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. That is not what this is. This is not saying that we don't need good police officers, that we don't need law enforcement to help. This is not saying that. This is saying along with that, along with those pieces, there must be grace and mercy. So I'll tell you this, it's all within boundaries. That's what's in. It's within boundaries. Some of you experience this with a relationship where you give, 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 and in the end it ends up being unhealthy. So let me point this out to you. This is really good advice if you've never heard this before. Good boundaries take. Common sense. Just some common sense. All right? You do not have to just sit there and take it. Use some common sense. 
Remove yourself from the situation. Listen, if you're being taken advantage of, abused or beaten, God loves you. Get out of the situation. He protects the innocent. Remove yourself. The statistics that are going up with COVID, being quarantined, and the relationships that were already strained, I'm telling you right now, remove yourself. Send an email to the church. We will help you find a safe place. Common sense. This is not Jesus saying, stay. How about this one? Just experience. How many of you guys have been taken advantage of by somebody that takes your $20 gift and they go buy a substance that continues to erode their life? This is not saying, you know what, just give everything, give everything. No, this is saying use your experience. If you're giving a gift that's hurting someone, that's not helping. That's helping that hurts. You've got to find boundaries to be able to say, no, this is not a healthy way. I am not helping you grow. This is not moving things forward. This is not what God intended. I'll take a step back. I'm going to set a boundary. Even God did this with us. And the last one is this, and the most important if you follow Christ, use the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean like, Holy Spirit, help me. No, I mean this. Use the very thing that God has placed inside of you as a believer that reveals all truth, that exposes and helps you put common sense and your experience into God's perspective. Because sometimes you do have to do things that are hard. Sometimes you have to go the extra mile that doesn't make sense. But that's a part of boundaries too. And you have to be willing to listen. All right, side note. Why am I bringing all this up? Eye for an eye. Why am I bringing all this up? Okay, we got to listen. We got to do what God. We need to institute mercy and grace. It's because one of our core values is very key to our whole conversation today. And it's right here. We will be known for what we are for, not by what we are against. Not saying that we'll not be against anything. I think sometimes when you read that, so we're not against anything. No, no. We'll be known for what we're for. Think of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that who should believe will not perish but receive eternal life, right? Now that's the... Old NIV, some of you are like, oh, what was that? Yeah, that's the old NIV, because 1984 is what I memorized it in. But the whole thought process behind that is God didn't go, for God so hated sin. No. For God so was for us and against sin that love was at the core of everything he did. And so we reflect that heart. We reflect that heart. And it's as, if, it's as if Jesus can feel that in the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, this sermon it was preached many times. This is a sermon that's recorded in Matthew once, but it's probably his most popular sermon. In fact, I bet the disciples at some point was like, oh, he's teaching it again. Because we know that he, re- he taught this almost everywhere he went. And so this next section that comes after the eye for the eye, you may not even realize that they're, they're kind of back to back. And it's kind of as if we're like, okay, grace and mercy in our relationships. That makes sense. Love's at the core of everything we can do. But then Jesus is like, I don't think you get it. I want to make sure you get it. And so he gives us the next section, right after this. And the next section is love for your enemy. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate 
your enemy. What's the statement we say now? It's, it's a little bit different, but it's very similar. Uh, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Right? And it's this topic of like, you need to know who your enemy is. You need to know who's out to get you. And you need to keep them close. Keep your friends close. That's good. But this is that thought. You're like, hey, love your friend, love the neighbor, but hate the enemy. You know, hate the, the, hate the thing that hates you. But then we get Jesus. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay, so now pause. I have to go an extra mile and I have to pray for this guy I'm carrying his stuff? Start to see it? I got to pray for this guy now? I got I to gotta love him? I don't just do it for my love for you. I genuinely have to value this person's stuff that I'm carrying. Oh, I don't know if I like that. I was okay if I was just kind of doing it for you, God, but I'm not sure if I can get on board if I genuinely have to find love and pray for this Roman soldier. But it's as if he wants you to know why. That you may be called or that you may be children of your Father in heaven. This line right here, it's a tricky little play on words. Red and yellow, black and white. Jesus loves the little children of the world. We're all made in his image. When they heard this, they had to have thought, oh, snaps, I know what he's saying. We're all equal in our value because we're all equally God's children. He causes the sun, which I always love this little phrase right here. Just change that to an O, see if it doesn't bring some prominence to this. Just S-U-N, S-O-N, because that's what my brain does anyways, but it kind of brings more prominence to it. He causes the sun to rise on evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? I love that. Like, remember, sinners and tax collectors had their own categories. Sinner was too good a title for tax collector. So they're like, yeah, we'll give him his own title. And he's saying, even that guy loves the people that love him. Or how about this? And if you agree, only your own people. What are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? If all you're doing is talking to the people that raise your reputation, that have a way of raising your honor or your influence, that's not love. That's manipulation. That's not love. That's... It's leverage. And then he hits us between the eyes. And I'm telling you, this was the verse that made me preach this. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's as if he concludes it by going, yeah, more grace, more love, love perfectly, just like me. And I went, what? That's, that, think about if I just concluded my sermon with this today. I'm like, be perfect as Jesus is perfect. Go. You're like, uh, I failed. I'm not even out the door. What do I do now? Where do I start? Do I start over? Do I, do I, am I done now? Am I out of the race? It's, it's got to have more point to it, doesn't it? 
It's got to have a drive to it. Why would he put this in here if he's not trying to point to something? Let's go back and ask ourselves some questions about loving our enemies. Can we do this real quick? I just want to point some key things out about loving our enemies. I want you to know why this is key. The first thing I want you to know about loving your enemies is it will hurt. Loving your enemies will absolutely hurt. There's no way around it. I don't know of someone that comes at me with angry intent, and I go, hey, that's not going to hurt. Created with me, and I go to love them, and they come at me that I'm not going to get hurt. So why are we surprised? Second, it's how you were loved. You realize this? How many of you guys have been around a four-year-old lately? Matter of fact, let's just go around this. How many of you all have been around a 14-year-old lately? How many of you all have been around a 24-year-old lately? You ever heard these words come out of your mouth? Out of their mouth? I hate you. Oh, man, when my six-year-old said that to me, I was like, good. (laughs) I'm like, all right, we can work with that. Right? I mean, you feel it in your guts. But that's the worst thing about being around a six-year-old is because then you go ask your mama about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, you said that to me too. I'm like, I did? No way. I would never do that. I'd never say that thing to you. Oh, yeah, I probably did. (laughs) We were all raised and loved, even when we were against the people that were trying to love us. How about this one? Doesn't that make all the difference when when someone you are fighting against, rebelling against, have no reason to be loved by, chooses to love you? Doesn't that just deepen the impact? Doesn't it just make you step back and go, why? Why would you do this? Paul exposed that this is the power of the gospel. Romans chapter 5, this is the exact wording that Paul uses to describe the power of the gospel. He says this in Romans 5, 9, Since we have now been justified by his blood, who Jesus' sacrifice, how much shall we be saved from God's wrath? Look, there was an eye for an eye waiting for us. That is justice. But mercy and grace came into the picture in the form of his sacrifice. And so, what has happened, verse 10? For if while we were God's enemy. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we then be saved through his life? It makes all the difference. So let me just remind you of this. We were going to be known for what we are for. People that are his children. He is for them. He loves them because Love is at the core of everything he did. And it doesn't matter if it's a good cop, bad cop, a robber, black, yellow, or white. 
whether we're sick with COVID, whether our marriage is falling apart, whether it's our neighbor across the street or across the world, we are called to be known what we're for and to have love at the core of everything we do. Because that's the power of the gospel. Martin Luther King Jr. said it brilliantly, and I've loved his thought process around this. I've seen this quoted many times. But darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light, which we've learned, the light is the life of Christ in the, in the Gospel of John. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Only love can do that. And so here's the way I'm calling you to do this. I've said this from the stage before. I'm not just leaving you with, be perfect in your love. <laughs> All right, be perfect. Because I, I think if we walk out of here, you're like, failed already. Looked at Instagram. My heart just gone. All right? I get it. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to make a difference, not a point. We're going to make a difference, not a point. We're going to continue to make a difference. This takes a conversation. takes engaging, doing. When I text my best friend from high school, Mike, who's a single dad, and I ask him, because he's an African-American man, how are you doing? Are you okay? I love you and your family. I just want you to know that. That's a difference. That's a difference. I don't want to just make a point. I don't want to just put something online, play it safe, know no one's name, never listen, have my own objectives, and then stay at a distance. I want to get in and make a difference. And you know why I want to do that? And you know why I want love to be at the core? And you know why I want you to do this? It's because when we do this, you guys, when we do this, love makes all the difference. Love makes all the difference. And when we cling to the hope of Christ, when we cling to his sacrifice and the way that we have been loved, even though it hurt, even though it costs to him, when we love people that way, it makes all the difference. I hope for you this week is that if you choose to wade into any tension, pain, heartache, struggle, whether it's in your marriage with your friends or whether it's co-workers or it's at the street corner or it's at the Walmart or it's online. Fight inside your heart to put love at the core of what you're doing. To ask and be willing to say, am I going tooth for tooth, punch for punch? Am I going, oh man, love my neighbor, hate that guy, or am I putting Jesus' kingdom first? Am I pursuing what God has called me to do? To go the second mile, isn't it cool how these still work? To go the second mile and to pray and to love those that would ask us to. I think we can do that. If we come out of this pause and do this well, I think the gospel does its work. And we all cling to Jesus all the more. Gosh, you guys. I want to do this well. That did it for us.
Let me pray for